the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome, everybody, to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host today. It is so great to be with you for hour two of Southern California Live. You can go to the phones if you want to join our conversation today. The number is 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557. You know, one of the things I'd like to hear from you about right now is if you're following what's going on in Ukraine. I know there's some other news stories, but uh, we might get to the Supreme Court pick a little bit later in this hour and some comments on that and some other things. But there are some things that are going on as we watch this this tragedy unfold in Ukraine. And Yes, it's a tragedy. We also have to be aware that there are also also atrocities being committed. Uh, there's there's a difference, right? Sometimes we refer to nine eleven as a a tragedy, but really it was an atrocity. It was it was just a horrible crime against humanity. And you know, wars are are full of atrocities. All sides do it in the in the time of war. But when you have something that is completely unjustified. You know, they have just war theories, and somebody wrote a book on just war th- theory. You know, sent a note to Putin and said, you failed every every part of it. Um, when we see these things, we, we see two different sides of humanity. We see the evil side of humanity, of course, we're seeing that. But we also see an inspiring part of humanity. We also see some bravery that is just so far beyond what anybody should ever have to do but something that is just really incredible. There is a, a video of a woman who is in Kiev. I guess it's Kiev. I think we say Kiev for a long time, but it's Kiev. I heard somebody say this morning that Russians call it Kiev and Ukrainians call it Kiev. So we're going to call it Kiev moving forward on this program. And this elderly woman, I don't know how old she is, but she walks up to uh, soldiers Russian soldiers who are now occupying her town. And she demands to know if they're Russian soldiers. And she says, who are you? And she, the soldier says, we have exercises here. Please go away. And there are pictures and video of this. It's in uh, Russian, the language. And uh, there's some cursing and stuff. Otherwise, I would maybe play it in the background. Uh, but our people who understand Russian would probably get us in some trouble. But after demanding to know if they speak Russian, she says, what the blank are you doing here? And she starts chewing this guy out. She says, you guys are occupants. You guys are fascists. What are you doing in our land with all these guns? Take these seeds and put them in your pockets so at least sunflowers will grow when you all lie down here. Well, she get, and this guy's armed in his military fatigues helmet. She's just in a jacket. And uh, sunflowers are the national flower of Ukraine, by the way. Uh, she calls these soldiers cursed and says that they came here uninvited to her country. And the soldier listens to this for a while. Um, And then he basically threatens her and tells her that she needs to be quiet. But he probably had every authority to just gun her down. And I don't know if you watch some of the videos. I've, I've seen some just horrible things being done. Uh, 
Are there inspiring stories that you have heard during this period of time that you would like to share that you've been inspired on um, without using, you know, what kind of language people might use? And I understand why people would use that kind of language in these situations. Um, Right now, what's going on is in Ukraine, President Zelensky, who is still there, the Russians decided to put out that uh, he had fled and trying to hurt the morale of the Ukrainian people. You know, and in the fog of war, I don't know what's really true. There's a lot of stories out there that are not true, that are kind of made up. You got to be careful with that. CNN reported the death of a journalist, uh, which people really realized was an incredible thing that this guy died because uh, CNN also had uh, announced the same guy's death uh, in Kabul. Uh, There's a guy, his name is Jordy Jordan, and he's a YouTuber and gamer. And CNN posted, uh, we're sad to announce the first American casualty of the Ukraine crisis has taken place. Thoughts and prayers with the family of activist Bernie Gores, who passed away this morning after a mine planted by a Russian-backed separatist exploded. Um, Totally made-up story. And what's interesting is the exact same guy, Bernie Gores, was killed uh, during the Battle of Kabul last summer. Uh, it's bad luck to be killed twice in two different wars, uh, to be murdered twice by uh, the enemy. That's pretty bad luck. It's totally fake. Uh, so you got to be careful. Uh, I know there's a great story going around about the uh, the ghost of Kiev, which is this fighter pilot that's taken down a bunch of, of Russian planes. And I think there's some truth to the fact that it exists. But a lot of the videos that are out there are actually videos from a video game that people are altering and trying to make it look that way. We live in a weird world, don't we? where in real time people are making fake propaganda videos and um, they are able to fake you out. So just be, be aware that some of the stories aren't really, aren't really true. But I think one of the great stories of standing your ground and courage that we seem to be seeing here at this period of time is from Ukraine's President Zelensky, um, who after the Russians said that he had fled with his family, he posted a new video of himself and his team outside the presidential administration of Kiev's government quarter after uh, people said that he had fled. And he shows, he's taking a selfie on his own phone, it looks like. He shows his team and it says, we are here, we are in Kiev, and we are defending Ukraine. And he encouraged people. You know, something about war is that often wars can be won with morale you know, where you want to keep people up. It's a, it's a terrible story what's going on. I don't, I'm not optimistic about how this will turn out. I'm praying for him and for his uh, leadership. And the latest is with him is that he believes and told his people that Russia will launch an assault uh, tonight, which I think just means here in a couple hours, um, if it's not happening right now as we speak. Uh, what they're trying to do is decapitate the government And the idea here, he said that he is target number one and his family is target number two. Imagine this for a minute, that there is an army that's after you, that is uh, after your family. Would you stay? Would you stay and try to lead your people or would you get out of there? Um, That's a hard, hard thing. But definitely he he is brave. And I've thought about this a lot. What kind of bravery do we have? I think sometimes we don't know until the moment comes where we're called upon to stand our ground, to stand our ground for whatever is, is coming our way. What kind of bravery 
would you have in this situation or in any situation in your life? 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557 is the number if you want to join the conversation here about Ukraine. Are you watching these videos and the other things coming out of them? They're very sad. I think it's going to be sad for a while. But I started thinking about this and standing our ground. Most of us, hopefully, will not have to stand our ground in battle. But I realize that many of you listening, you already have because you have served in Afghanistan or Iraq. Um, Some of you have done many tours over there. And I have to tell you that war is, it's just terrible. Uh, I've counseled some people who have come back uh, from fighting and survived. And it's been hard for me to get over some of the stories that I told. One guy told me, I won't even tell you what it is, but just the most horrific story of his time in Afghanistan. And it took me weeks to get over it. And all I did was hear the story. I wasn't even there. And I can't imagine what he is dealing with. So we need to continue to pray for the people of Ukraine and for everything going on in the world related to these things. Uh, President Biden spoke uh, this afternoon with President Zelensky and commended his brave actions and the brave actions of the Ukrainian people who are fighting to defend their country. I guess they handed out uh, guns to everybody, and uh, it's going to be a fight, and it's going to be very bloody. The the story so far is that there are as many as 2,800 Russian uh, soldiers who have been killed. 2,800. That is a lot. Uh, in just one day. Uh, I think this is going to get a lot worse, uh, and there's going to be a lot of stories, both tragic and uh, both inspiring in different ways. I think that our sanctions, as I've tried to look at those things, they're probably not hard enough. Yesterday, the president said it will take about a month for them to evaluate. I don't think there's going to be a Ukraine in a month. I think that's one of the strangest things kind of about this, and we look back And Obama officials and even Bush administration officials are regretting not taking greater action in the past. Are there areas in your life where you have felt like you need to stand your ground? You know, it's it's a different matter. And our battle, first and foremost, is spiritual. And, you know, even when we look at a war like this and what's going on, we have to remember that there are spiritual things going on, that when people have the ability to attack other people and just kill them Um, when it's unprovoked and it just doesn't seem to have any rhyme or reason. uh, There's just tremendous actual evil going on. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. You know, when we talk about this, The next thing he says is, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That's the context that comes before putting on the full armor of God. That's the context that we see as Paul is about to give us this passage about standing our ground and how to do it. And I think there's, and then he gives you know, basically a a military metaphor. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. I note that that's first. You can't really do much if you don't have truth. If you don't have truth, everything else will fall apart. 
whatever is happening here, wherever this goes, it's actually Putin's biggest mistake because he doesn't have truth on his side. There have been um, protesters in Russia, and that's very unusual, and I don't think they're going to have a good fate. Something like there were 1,700 protesters in Moscow protesting against the war, 900 and some were arrested. They're probably not going to survive. They're being charged with treason, and treason has a penalty of death. And they are some of the people who got the real news. What Putin is doing is calling um, President Zelensky and his people Nazis. Uh, Zelensky is Jewish. So calling him a Nazi is just outrageously offensive, and it's crazy, and it's just propaganda. It's how things have worked there in Russia and with the uh, former Soviet government, which I think is very much the same as I've mentioned before. Put on the full armor of God so when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. I'm I'm thinking of this image because my mind keeps going to the Christians who are staying there, to the Christians who are in Ukraine who have decided to stay. There's some who have stayed to fight, but in most cases they are staying because of peace, They are staying because they want to actually remain and give people the gospel, maybe before they die or give it to them in their fear. They want to take care of people who are hurting, people who are afraid. The best that Christians have shown the world over the last 2,000 years has been in times of crisis where Christians have run into the crisis rather than run away. Now, I think it is God's call that some people flee who are believers. There needs to be believers amongst the refugees who are there. There needs to be believers who hold back and take care of people who are refugees who are leaving everything behind. But some people are called to stay. Some people are called to stand their ground. Some people are called to to risk their lives for the sake of peace, but also for the sake of the gospel. We need to pray for these brothers and sisters who are doing this pastors and people in churches right there in Ukraine who right now, with imminent war, with war around them, many of whom they're not going to survive. They're just not. Pastors stay and they pray and they are resisting. We need to pray for them that they would have the peace of mind to do this because it's also the testimony of the church. Jesus told us that the gates of hell will not prevail And I think sometimes when we hear that, maybe sometimes when it's been preached, we have this idea that the gates of hell means it's hell advancing on our positions, but that's not what gates do. Gates are there to keep people out or keep people in. It's a doorway through the gate where people would come in and out. Well, how does this really work? The gates of hell will not prevail. Can I get you to think of it this way? That what the gates of hell are trying to do is to keep you out of the hell that so many people are living in to give you to keep you away from the opportunity to pull them out of that hell back out through the gates into the kingdom of God and actual spiritual safety. 
See, whenever you are staying in Ukraine or in a battlefield, we saw this in Afghanistan last summer in that whole debacle. We saw Christian missionaries who had recently had to report their names to the government while you're in town and put down what you're doing, that you're a Christian. I don't even know the fate of some of those people. There were hundreds of Christian missionaries who stayed in Afghanistan, who stayed in Kabul. When they did have the opportunity to get out, they stayed because if they all leave, then the light leaves Kabul. If all the Christians leave Ukraine, then the light is going to leave. Christians need to stay. They put on the armor of God, which is built on truth and righteousness and peace and all of those things. And you know what happens is it gives you courage. It gives you courage in your faith to stand in a place of danger. And it gives you the courage to actually go in through the gates of hell and pull people out. I don't know if you think of it that way, but Sometimes we have the opportunity, not just in war, but maybe in somebody's life who you know they're taking drugs or they're in a terrible relationship or in a terrible situation and they need your help. And sometimes you just have to armor up and go get them. And you get involved in their life and you find out it's hell, at least hell on this earth in that way of speaking. And you have this tremendous ability to pull them out, but you can only do that if you realize a couple of things that we have in the scriptures. You can only do that if you realize that our battle, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I think every one of us who are believers in one way or another is called to put on the armor of God. And we are called maybe in our own life to defend ourselves and get out of the hell that we're in, but we're not called to do it alone. First, we have the Lord and the Holy Spirit, but we also have the church, other believers. And where the church has shined throughout all of history is when it does this. What's interesting is the church never does that well when it is holding political power or when it thinks that's the solution, but the church does incredibly well, incredibly well. And by that, what I mean is people enthused about being in the church, evangelism going forward, people getting saved, people coming to Christ, people repenting, people turning their life around, all of these things, people being saved from slavery, slavery in this world, slavery, literally slavery to sin, however you define it. The church has been seen in such a great way whenever the church is able to go in through the gates of hell and pull people out into the safety of the gospel and the kingdom of God. I mean, that sounds like a big deal, but that's why it's armor. That's why it, you know, it isn't put on the uh, nice golf shirt of God and look like a preppy person and a smart person or whatever. It's put on armor because this is a battle. When you think about this and you're thinking about what's going on in Ukraine, would you pray for those Christians that they would have the full armor of God on? For sure, hopefully they are protecting themselves physically, but that they would understand and I think that they do understand, perhaps more than we will ever understand, that they are fighting a very spiritual battle. And they will rejoice one day when they stand before the Lord and they are able to be acknowledged for standing up for the faith, for preaching the gospel under dangerous circumstances, for being completely unselfish, for being full of mercy and grace. Maybe some of these people have the opportunity to speak to Russian soldiers, and rather than cuss them out, they will share the gospel. If you're a Russian soldier and you're standing there and you're looking at old ladies with guns pointed at you, you've got to feel kind of lame. I mean, what kind of a man does that? 
I mean, that has to be something that as a soldier, you can't feel good about yourself. I would think, I guess I would hope, maybe I'm just wrong. I mean, I think that's why it's just evil that you would be okay with that. Put on that full armor of God in your life and pray for these people. And, you know, be encouraged, I think, by the acts of bravery, the acts of courage, the tremendous uh, will that some people are showing right now and pray, because who knows, maybe Putin will be rebuffed. Maybe some of the rumors are that he's frustrated because this hasn't gone faster. Maybe there is a a victory here for the world uh, in a better way for peace. Um, Do we have a call on line one there? I don't see a name. I just see a call floating there. All right. All right, we got one call coming in. The number here is 888-LA-TALKS. And if you want to give us a call and join in, we got a couple other things planned for this hour. 888-528-2557 is our number. And uh, I'm waiting for this call to come through, but I'm going to have to take a break here in just a moment. Are you with me with all of this stuff? I mean, watch this stuff and realize that we are called to stand our ground. I hope that it encourages you in your life. I mean, if these people can stand their ground under the threat of a gun. I think we can stand our ground when we're under the threat of somebody mocking us for our faith. That we can stand our ground when we're defending the truth about a sexual ethic that's going haywire in our country. We can stand our ground about the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ just when it comes up in our family or workplace or in the playground or wherever you find yourself, whatever age you're on. I think that we can be encouraged to stand our ground. It's usually not as scary as we think once you get there. And I think part of that is because you've got the Lord with you. Hey, Chris from Westminster, welcome to Southern California Live. Hey, how's it going, man? I appreciate you taking my call. Okay. Yeah, hi, Chris. Okay. Yeah. Hey, sorry, man. I'm getting another phone call, so I, I've, I got distracted. But hey, uh, I, I turned on my radio, I heard you on there. And, um, you know, I just want to first start and say, I learned a lot from you, man. I don't think we always see eye to eye, or I don't see eye to eye with you at times with certain things, but I really appreciate the things you have to say because it always teaches me teaches me things and challenges me. Well, thank so you. I my hope question so. is, when I, when I heard what you were saying about um, Christians uh, in Ukraine should stay there, it sort of inspired me because, um, or it does inspire me because, my question to you is, what is your take on Christians that are leaving California because they want to go to, let's say, a more red state? I don't know your political view. Huh. Um, and that's fine. We may not see eye to eye, and that's fine. But, like, part of me does want to stay and fight the good fight, whether it's politically or even just the religious, the, the, the preaching the gospel stuff. So what is your view when you see, you know, Christians, what I'd call Christians leaving, to go to a more red state where it's more conservative, things like that? Do you, do you think <laughs> we should be staying here and fighting? California. So yeah, I just wanted to hear yeah. on that because uh, I, I yeah, so, Chris, I got to go to a break. I'll try to answer you really quick though before the break. That is a that's a really great insight. I think that maybe that's even uh, a larger conversation that we can have on the show at some point. One of the things I think I'll just answer very quickly. One is I think that we're called to different things. Okay, so some point some people are called to go to other places, and that's just the way it is. And maybe you're doing it for personal reasons. You want to escape California's politics or California's prices or whatever it is. And maybe God is calling you to do that. I do believe that God is calling some of us to stay. Well, if you are debating whether to leave the state, you know, somebody's got to stay and give the gospel. 
I have the, my wife and I have this very conversation. It's super tempting to take off and uh, you know be able to buy a house someplace in an, another state and uh, do things differently. And we really have to try to figure out what God's will is for our life. And in California, which is in many ways very very godless, at least in uh, in some respect, uh, it definitely needs people to stay. Christians to stay who are willing to preach the gospel, who are willing to uh, live for Christ. And I think in any circumstance, you've got to ask that question. That's a much bigger answer, and uh, maybe another time Chris will get into that. But I do have to take a break right now. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. We'll be back in just a couple of moments. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you. And joining me today is David James, Big Wave Dave. He is at Biola University. And uh, how you doing, Big Wave Dave? Hey, Scott. Boy, what a, what a conversation you just had with Chris, the caller there. Your impact segment was outstanding. Well, thank you. It all you. ties you know, Chris... into the 114th anniversary here at Biola, staying true to God's word and everything. So, yeah, kudos yeah. To, to Chris for asking that question. Too. If a... everybody missed it, then go to the podcast and hear your answer to Chris's a great, question. So. A great question. Great question. So, yeah, man, uh, we are here. Uh, 114th anniversary. It was February uh, 25th, 1908, that Biola University, uh, you know, to use a radio term, signed on in Southern California. And what a unique privilege to be here as part of that. And I have really a unique privilege of having Mariana Kwok here. She is a student here at Biola University and a huge fan of KKLA. You were just saying, Mari, you listen to Frank Sontag and the intersection of faith and reason. And Scott Furrow here, you're long time. You grew up here in Southern California listening to KKLA, huh? Yeah, I did, actually. I am a huge fan of Focus on the Family as well. And my favorite character is actually Connie, and it's just so <laughs> From Adventures and Odyssey, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like Buck. You know, Buck is a but Connie. You're, you're. If anyone knows Adventures and Odyssey, you know, you are totally Connie in real <laughs> life, right here in front of me. So, uh, tie-in. You you were just listening to Scott Furrow talk about Chris. Chris's question was, I don't know if I should stay in Southern California or maybe I should go somewhere and because I, I want to be somewhere where it's a little more, I don't know, comfortable with, with how I stand in life and where I am, you know, biblically or in my faith or politics, whatever. You said that question really hit you to the core. T- tell me why. You're, you're a senior, by the way. I want everyone to know that here at Biola. So you're about ready to graduate. But why did that question resonate with you? Yeah, the question actually resonated with me because I'm actually having the same thoughts and questions. I really want to go into a grad school program that's going to be focusing on psychology. And there are different schools that offer this amazing study program, whether it be in Washington or California or even internationally in Hong Kong. Um, I just feel like the Lord is calling me to spread the gospel in my everyday work, but I'm also unsure of where and how I can do that. All I know is the Great Commission calls us to speak the gospel and live our lives that will glorify the Lord. Hmm. Well, is that something that has been, and for, for someone your age, Gen Z, or to be speaking like that, I just have to tell you, I mean, that's 
that's like a rock star for Jesus in the making right there. I mean, to have that kind of worldview already at your age, um, is it difficult to kind of live in a space where you're dealing in your generation where it's, oh, man, you believe what you want to believe. I believe what I believe. It's, we're all good. I mean, think is it difficult for you to keep that mindset of going, you know what, God, you've called me to, to, take, to have courage. And we're talking about Ukraine, talking about Christians in Ukraine even right now, having the courage to, to stand up and, and be bold. And Scott just talking about rather than, you know, uh, thinking one way, maybe actually talking to a Russian soldier about the gospel of Jesus. I mean, is it, is it difficult for you to kind of take that stand or is it coming naturally for you to say, you know what, the Great Commission is going to be my premise of my life? I think at first glance, when we are asked whether or not we want to step out of our comfort zone, we will hesitate because that's just our human flesh. And we want to be able to know what's coming next. We don't like the unknown. However, we as Christians have God and we have the Holy Spirit who will guide us through any and every trial. So... This past week specifically, I was able to just understand what it means in Joshua 1.9 to say, be strong and courageous. And also in Jeremiah 29.11, it says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. There are so many things that I want to do in the future. And whether it be I want to go to Disneyland for the first time in Anaheim or I want to be able to get my license as a psychologist. I know there's going to be trials, but I know who is in control of my life and I know who's going to be guiding me. So does that give you courage in and of itself to know that God's guiding you in that? Yes. And specifically, I think having the understanding that God has chosen humans and he has created us in his image and to feel it in our bones that is just a testimony that we need to understand and embrace scott i mean listen to mari here um biola student she's an ra over here at heart uh dormitory and you know everyone listening right now i think all of us whether we're you know and most of us are not in college or university any longer uh, Scott, you're a pastor and yeah. uh, now hosting Southern California Live many times over. But isn't it reassuring? You got any questions for Mari here? Because isn't it reassuring in her generation to be able to say, you know what? I'm quoting scripture. I'm going to be strong and courageous. God has a plan and purpose. I'm going to pursue that purpose. I may not know what it is yet, but I trust in him because he is faithful. What do you yeah. think of that, Scott? You know, it is super encouraging, you know, and I, I think one of the things, you know, and Mari, you're a great example of this that we need to push back on a little bit is is sort of this maybe negative view of younger people, Generation Z, millennials, um, that they are leaving the faith. There are a lot who are not pretending to be Christians anymore, and they just say, we're not, I'm not anything. But some of the studies have actually said that right now, the number of devout younger people who are serious about their faith is actually greater than it's been in about 50 years. Did you know that? I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, there's uh you know you you probably hear, you know, all these people or younger people are leaving the church, Mari, but uh do you find that there are a lot of students, I mean obviously it's Christian University there that you go to, 
But do you find that there is the same kind of depth of seeking out God's plan for life and making those kinds of decisions with other students? I hang out of that question because I want to, Scott, too, yes, with it being a Christian university, yes, that doesn't necessarily mean that everyone on campus, uh, right. that the students are are really in that space of, of well, that's really kind of believing the, that. You know, that's kind of the root. core. Yeah. That, that's kind of the core of what I'm asking is I realize that not everybody there is necessarily walking with right. the Lord. And I thought I'd get Mari's comment on that. Yeah. Um, I personally have been very blessed to be surrounded by a group of individuals specifically at Student Missionary Union. And um, Dave, you said that your daughter actually was part of SMU as well. Right. Mm-hmm. And I am actually going to be leading a local mission trip. And the people that I'm going to be serving with are actually very committed as well as just wanting to integrate their faith in their daily life. And in heart, as an RA, I have the opportunity to talk about diversity and inclusion alongside of the other RAs. And I think specifically in our younger generation, yes, there is a hesitation to say, oh yeah, I am walking with the Lord or I'm struggling. But in every community, there's going to be people who are devoted in the faith and there's going to be some that are straying away and Ultimately, I think it is important to know that the Lord is in control of that, and He knows what's on people's hearts. Yeah, and to to be able to be real and genuine in our faith and say, look, I I can understand that. And as we were talking to Dr. Joy last segment, last hour, she was talking about how Joy Qualls, she's assistant of communications department, and she was talking about, hey, sometimes it's best to listen, just to listen and to hear where someone is, and then be able to give an account for where Christ has us now and to give our testimony that way. And after listening, that begins an opportunity for the dialogue and the rhetoric to come way down. And maybe there might be a conversation there. Now, she did mention some people might not want to have that conversation, but to be able to listen and to just say, hey, um, let me tell you about the story that that God's leading me in. before we get back to Scott here, just one last question on that. Uh, how important is it to know the Bible? I mean, you've been coming to Biola here now three years. You're, you're on the fast track to being a senior. You've taken extra classes. But how important is it that you've gotten into God's Word and learned God's Word here, here at Biola and, and that measure of what it has for your life and His plan? I think it's incredibly important to just be able to dig deep into His Word, whether it's meditating on one verse a day and applying it into your everyday life or having an idea of God's grace upon us day by day. Specifically at Biola, we are required to have 30 credits so that we can have a Bible minor. It may seem like a lot at first glance, however. it is. I feel that it is essential to have this foundational requirement so that even if we leave the university, um, and have like a little bit of a rocky path, we are able to lean back and remember, hey, like this is this is what I learned when I was an undergraduate. Oh, like a foundation. Scott, I mean, 
That's what we're talking about. And I think for all of us listening as a KKLA family, being reminded, yeah, we've got the Ukrainian crisis. We're going to be talking about the Supreme Court nominee coming up and, you know, ideologies and political and and, and the the, – you you can't even have just an intelligent dialogue any longer without people yelling at you. You know, just to be able to hear what Mari's talking about and saying, okay, number one, listen. Number two, know God's word. And number three, be able to apply it in every aspect of our life and wherever we are on this journey as a KKLA family. I mean, I think Mari is just exhibit A. If you could see her countenance, Scott, I mean, Mm. the ability to be able to see her speaking and talking um, about God and the the peace she has, even as a senior, not knowing necessarily where she's going to go at this point, she's rock solid in knowing that God's faithful to give her an understanding of what that purpose is. And I think that's that's super motivating for all of us that have been Jesus followers for decades, and we're drudging it out every day in our jobs, trying to battle the freeway. Mari, you're an inspiration. I just want to thank you for joining us on this celebration of the 114th anniversary of Biola. Thank you. It's been a privilege. Yeah, Scott, what do you all think, right. buddy? Hey, I think, uh, Mari, it's great to uh, hear you and to hear your heart. And uh, just to, you know, that foundation that you have that you're going to trust God even in the midst of not being sure you know, I hate to tell you, but uh, that doesn't go away one day where suddenly you just have it all figured out. You're going to have different times in your life when things are uncertain, when you're going to want to change directions or move, or you're not really sure. But if your faith is in the right place, um, if you understand that God is in control, you'll make it through anything that comes your way. And, you know, as an encouragement, I think to everybody else, we don't learn about the Lord and want to read our Bibles and understand doctrine and theology just for our own personal education, it should feed into how we look at the world and everything we do, our workplace, how we take a look at the news, how we interact with people, because it's truth. It's for real. It's actually the reality that we face every day is a reality where Jesus is on the throne, where he is coming back, and our souls uh, matter, and the souls of other people in our work as representatives of the kingdom of God, it matters. So thank you, Mari, for doing that and for sharing everything with us today. And uh, Dave, we'll be, uh, we'll be back in uh, just a couple of moments. You're listening to Southern California Live, the Friday edition. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody, to Southern California Live on this fine Friday. I hope that you have a good weekend planned uh, with whatever you have to do, whether you're going to go to work or whether you have the time off. I hope things are going to be very good for you and your time with your family or friends, whatever's going on with you. Hey, uh, David, are you still with me? Yes, sir. Scott Furrow, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Hey, uh, you know what? Southern California Live, KKLA. That's right. It has been an encouraging afternoon hearing about all kinds of different things. And uh, it, you know, it, it was awesome hearing your mom and dad, dude. Yeah, I had my mom and dad on the show, and uh, and I got a kick out of the idea that he used to be on. Uh, it was just his sermons were on L.A. radio, and he did a bit once in a while for uh, Hugh Hewitt, uh, not too long ago, actually, uh, once in a while. But it was fun to have them on the air, and uh, I'm blessed with my my parents, my mom and dad. They love the Lord, and they're still going in ministry. Um. Full time. It's uh, incredible to go back to church and they're still doing the thing. So the you know, and I love the there. fact of the legacy they've instilled in you. I thought that was uh, really powerful that all of us with, uh, you know, whether it's adult children or younger children or, you know, the, the legacy they instilled in you um, 
you know, you got kind of emotional on that and talking about, you know, mom, dad, you weren't perfect. There's some stories you just told me that I wasn't aware of that oh, I'm going to find out more about you guys. But the legacy of, of just faith that they left in your life, really inspiring for all of us to to kind of just dial it back a little bit in the midst of all of the the stuff going on saying, you know what, I've got what, 90, 100 years if I'm yeah. fortunate to remember I'm on this earth? What am I going to do with that? And then there's a there's a future and the legacy we leave and those around us is so important. So that's what I gleaned from that. And if anyone missed that in the first segment, in the first hour, you should go to the podcast and listen to it. It's very, very special. So that's why it was pretty encouraging there, Scott, to hear well, that and kind of poking the bear in me going, okay, Dave, make sure you're leaving a decent legacy, you know, and your family be, who, you better be right, better be true, not not perfect, but... You know, and you one better, thing I would say you know. is I know that a lot of people listening, uh, their kids are away from the Lord, and uh, it's really hard, and it's emotional that way. But, you know, what we're called to do as parents, and we're called to do this in every relationship we have, we're called to pour our cups out, but we're we're not responsible for the other cup getting filled. We all have to take a role with that. And as parents, you know, our mm. kids, they, they have to make the faith their own. Mm. And we have to pour into them. We have to, you know, be vulnerable and honest, be able to really talk about the faith and challenges with it. But at the end of the day, the kids have to make it their own. And, you know, something I, as a pastor's kid, you know, pastor's kids, uh, they end up famous or in jail, it seems like, most of the time, right? It's the, <laughs> You're it's so a, right about that, man. That's a joke that I tell, right? Um, but sometimes there is so much pressure that we put on our kids to go to church, follow the Lord, have an appearance of being a Christian. And a blessing for me is that my parents never did that. My, my dad never pressured me to go into ministry. Um, God forced me into ministry after a time. And then when I told my dad I was going into ministry, I was amazed at how excited he was about that because I never thought he cared that much. And, you know, so there was something in him that withheld, you know, maybe that desire. There's probably a, a fatherly, even a motherly desire to have your kid follow in your footsteps, right? Uh, but your dad so, didn't give you a kind of, do you really want to be a pastor? Let me tell you what that's going to take. I mean, he, he was really just glowing about it, huh? You know, yeah. You know, I think by then he knew that I had seen enough about being a pastor about why you don't want to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if I could teach yeah. a seminary course, it would be, do you really want to do this? And I'll just tell you, <laughs> I'll just tell stories because some people go to seminary because they can't figure out what else they do. And they're like, okay, I guess I'll go to seminary. And then they, cause they think they can escape the curse and you can't, you, <laughs> you still have to have a job and it's a job. Um, but if you realize that and that's God's calling, it's a great job. But the fact is all of us are in ministry. Uh, we that's are all, true. we are all the church and your, your ministry area might just be the eight to 15 people that you do life with that either they're believers and you're pouring into their life or they're pouring into yours or they're not believers and you're there to show them the grace and mercy and love of God. Uh, everybody's in ministry to do that. You know, that's what I, it's perfect. What, what I learned from Mari in our last segment, the student here, Biola, is incredible young lady. I, I learned once again, and she reiterated to me, that regardless of the occupation that we're in, you know, she wants to go into sociology and criminal justice, but she wants to be a, a disciple of Christ doing that. Yeah. Uh, it's not, she's a pastor. She's not in uh, a spiritual, you know, place of, of leadership, uh, but she will be in leadership when it comes to her line 
of what it should be doing and to be a, a follower of Jesus in that and to let that, you know, saturate every part of what you do is is a really powerful lesson for all of us to remember as we get into the weekend here, regardless of what we do. People are watching us, Scott, yep. and how are we going to, how well, we talk, how we act, all you know, those things a, matter. There's a statistic that says that uh, I believe now it's less than 20% of Americans go to church you know, at least three Sundays a, a month, and there's maybe 40% go to church once every six months or every quarterly. I forget what it is. It's, it's people are going to church less and less, and we hear that statistic. But there's but that statistic is actually wrong. Let me give you the actual statistic. Americans are in church 100% of every week because almost every American has a relationship with somebody who is a believer who is the church, and they're with them at work, and they're with them at the ball game, and they're with them at school. See, we have to look at it this way, that the church is not the four walls. The church is us, and we take it wherever we are. And the fact is, is that actually people are in church every week because they're with you. I mean, that's an incredible way to look at it, but that's what God actually is doing with his church is he's placing us in these different businesses and different educations, different majors, different uh, parts of life to live in. We're the church. So if we have a sticker that says Jesus is the way, we better be driving, you know, that kind of shows a little bit of uh, <laughs> Yeah, I recommend nope. not having those stickers Wait, just because Was that of my that. inside voice? I'm sorry. Yeah, you know, I actually saw two guys for real. I saw these two guys in dangerous road rage on the freeway. Both of them had fishes on the back of their car. And I thought, oh, you know, not good. Note to self, not, not be me. Scott, what yeah. do you have? You know, Biola University, 114th anniversary. Happy birthday, Bible Institute of Los Angeles. What do you have planned for the weekend there, Mr. Furrow, Pastor Furrow? You know what? Let me tell you what. I'm Pastor Furrow, so I, I work on the weekends. That's how that works. So I got uh, church, and, you know, it's interesting. We were doing First Corinthians. That's where we're at. Probably going to talk about Ukraine and, and war and uh, biblical perspective on that and praying about that. We'll probably change the subject. I think you have to do that sometimes. The the actual, that's an important part of my weekend. The most important part of my weekend is when we're done here in a minute, I'm taking my wife out on a date tonight. Hey! Best part of the awesome. weekend. Yeah. Very How about you? Good. Well, prayers for Ukraine. You know, prayers yeah. for the Jesus followers. They're reading in the Gospel Coalition about a pastor that's literally staying there and his family, and they're saying, you know what, this is our mission field. Yep. And so praying for the pastor there and uh, praying that Mrs. Furrow tell you exactly where she wants to go for dinner so you don't ask her <laughs> and she says wherever you want to go and then you go there well it's everything but this yeah i appreciate that very very much uh, dave <laughs> hey man. dave great to be on the air with you today and everybody listening thank you for listening to southern california live go to kkla.com or kprz.com if you're in san diego to get the podcast and learn more about our online family radio family god bless you everybody for david james have a great weekend Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.